my dad's the yeah the, the greatest impact on my career. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even be boxing. Mm. And if it wasn't for him, you know, he said to me back in the day, son, you're going to be champion of the world. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have pushed it as hard as I did. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Life Livers Academy. I'm Jamie O'Donnell, and the purpose of this podcast is to connect you with the people, ideas, mindsets, and inspiration to empower you to chase your dreams, unlock your potential, and live life to the fullest each day. Get ready for some inspiring conversations and incredible insights from people who are out there living life, having fun, and dominating their chosen path. I appreciate you tuning in. Now let's get this episode underway. Rightio guys, welcome back to another episode of the Life Livers Academy podcast. As always, super excited to dive into another episode. Uh, and in today's conversation, I chat with former WBO heavyweight champion of the world, Joseph Parker. Uh, and we chat about everything from what it was like growing up as a little kid in South Auckland with a dream of becoming the heavyweight champion of the world to actually becoming heavyweight champion of the world. We chat about some of the lessons Joe's learned through boxing and life. We chat about uh, fighting Anthony Joshua, winning the title against Andy Ruiz in front of all his family and friends after spending his entire life working towards that moment uh, and it's just a cool behind the scenes look at one of New Zealand's biggest sporting stars so I hope you enjoy the episode uh, if you do please share it out on social media or leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen in on also just want to give a massive shout out to Joe for giving up his time he's literally in fight camp at the moment preparing for the junior far fight uh, and he was still generous enough to give up his time to do the podcast even after a full day of media and sponsorship engagement so massive shout out to Joe appreciate you man uh and yeah i hope you guys enjoy this episode rightio guys welcome back to another episode of the life livers academy podcast uh, i'm always excited for my guests that come on uh onto the show but today i'm super excited i've got someone i've wanted to speak to for a long time now uh is the former wbo heavyweight champion of the world joseph parker joe i know you're incredibly busy at the moment bro you've got a lot on your plate so i really appreciate you giving up your time and uh, i'm looking forward to having a chat man oh thank you but thanks for having me on. And also, yeah, when you said former, would it would be way better if you said the current. Eh? The current. <laughs> well, mate, I'm backing you. Yeah. <laughs> couple of couple of jobs to get done, and then we can uh, we can do it again, bro. Yeah, a couple of fights. You know, obviously the one that we have at the end of the year, trying to take care of business, and then from there, not overlooking anything. But I, I, you know, two or three fights, and we'll be back at the top. I I believe it, man. I um, what's it been like? This camp, I know you've only just gone into camp and uh, it's quite an interesting one watching from afar with Junior because you guys have got history and it's New Zealand and it's been built up to be uh, a big thing. But he's obviously always been someone who's probably been in your sights. That was always going to happen at some stage. Um, you guys know each other well. You're in the same city. Trainers know each other. But also the COVID element as well. What's it been like getting into the swing of things over the last few weeks, man? Yeah, uh, Kevin flew down from, from Vegas and so he quarantined with his with his wife and his son for two weeks so it was good we, we started camp last Friday and we got together and usually usually my, my mistake or my uh, the, the things I do bad in the past is that I go into camp heavy and I go into <laughs> camp a bit fat around the hips and around the peaks but this time I was able to keep in shape and I guess there's a different focus or different motivation you know I, I have become, I was champion of the world before and and I think I think I was doing it for mostly for other people you know, I was doing it for myself, but I feel like I did it mostly for other people. Whereas now, I feel like I want to do it for myself, and I want to be—you know—I want to get there. You know, I want to be two-time world champion, unified mm -hmm. champion. So it didn't really take us that long to get into the swim of things. We clicked uh, right. No, I think it took a few rounds, and then we clicked straight away. And he was impressed with my fitness. You know, coming into this camp. 
What about, um, talk to me about, about Junior, bro, because uh, people, I mean, you obviously know him very well, but it feels like he's had a bit of an up and down career. He had some health issues and stuff like that, and people kind of wrote him off a bit there and said he was sluggish and slow. And um, But people are probably sleeping on him a little bit. He's a, he's a genuinely, you know, like a world-class heavyweight as well. He hasn't been anywhere near your level yet, so this is by far his biggest test. Um, he hasn't had those big stages like you've had or fought those top guys, but he's also no mug. Like he's he's a good boxer and he's got a good crew around him as well. He's got a great great crew around him, and that that'll give him confidence. But also with his record, um, coming off those, you know, it was a while ago the, the amateur days, but we have two wins each, and he 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 won the the last one, so he'll be coming with confidence. I think from that, from his undefeated record. And also the team that he has around him. You've got Eugene, you've got Doug Viney, and those guys have been in the sport um, for a while. And, mm. you know, uh, Eugene's done some great things with Israel Asanya and the team from City Kickboxing. So I guess a lot of people are sleeping on him and probably haven't seen a lot of him because, you know, he his fights weren't really shown here in New Zealand mm. right, compared to the ones that I've had. And so I, I think genuinely it's going to be a great fight. You know, we have two Polynesians both ranked in the top 10 in the world, living not far from each other, you know. <laughs> uh, South Auckland, both, both, both uh, living in the South Auckland. And I guess it's a great opportunity for two Polynesians to come together, headline this card at the end of the year. And not only us, there's going to be a great undercard. There's going yeah. to be great talent from New Zealand that we're going to put on display. And uh, I think we're just going to make a great event out of it because COVID hasn't been the best thing this year. You know, stopping a lot of plans, changing a lot of plans changing fights, changing you know, events, everything has changed. And so for us to end the year with uh, a big event like this, hopefully we finish it off with a bang. Yeah, man, I, I hope so, mate. I hope so. It's um, it's it, actually just touching on that, like the opportunity for those guys on the undercard is massive. And that's something, you know, there's always a shining light through things like COVID and, you know, having Eddie and those guys on board and the exposure that this fight's going to get around the world. I hadn't really thought about how much exposure that gives those young other guys um, on this card. It's going to be great exposure. You know, like you said, it's going to be here in New Zealand. It's going to be shown in, you know, Australia. It's going to, and with Matchroom behind it, the zone, um, you know, Luda Bella, mm-hmm. you know, all those, it's going to be shown all around the world. And I guess it's, it's an opportunity for Junior and myself to, to put on the best that we can, but also we're going to show everyone around the world, you know, the talent that we have here in New Zealand. And we have a lot of talent. We just haven't had the opportunity to show them. And also, there's a lot of fighters coming up that we haven't really seen. So it's going to be good to see. Like for me, I'm excited for the undercard. Then I'm yeah. excited to get in there and fight myself. It's awesome, bro. No, it's good things. It's a good time for combat sport in New Zealand. Uh, obviously, with you and what you've done over the past couple of years, Junior coming through as well, and then obviously all the boys at City Kickboxing in the UFC, like combat sport's in a real good place, which is awesome for young athletes because it shows that anyone, no matter where you're from, even if you're down here in New Zealand, you can make it You know, yeah. at, a, at a world championship level. With, with all of us doing really well, it just inspires the younger generation Whatever, maybe you know, it doesn't even have to be fighting. It's like whatever sport that you put your heart, your mind, and your soul into, and if you have the support from your parents, your your community, then everyone can achieve whatever they want to achieve. So it's just us. We're just using our platform to show, right? You guys can achieve it as well. Nice, bro. Well, I'm interested to know what you've been in boxing. When, how old were you when you started boxing? I started. Uh, I probably started. My my first memory would be when I was about three years old. You know, my dad holding up his hand, you know, hey, hey, son, okay, one, two, one, two, and just teaching me how to punch. And that's actually my first memory of throwing a punch and just, just slowly getting into it. And then from then on, it was, it was you know, he would travel to Australia, uh, Germany, wherever he was going, you know, bring back little punching bags that he can hold, little gloves, <laughs> that we, you know, 
little gloves that'll fit a three or four year old's hand and he'll hold it, we'll punch it. And then slowly as we progress, he started taking us to different gyms by the age of seven, eight years old. You know, we trained at Otara, Odahu, Manarua, and we trained at Pepitoi. You know, all around South Auckland, we, we found gyms that we thought, you know, that my dad thought at the time was good. Mm. And then I got my brother and I into a Pepitoi gym at a young age. And we had our, I had my first fight at 12 years old. And when did you, like, have, did you always have the goal to become a world champion? Like, when did that come about? Was that something that as a kid you grew up, like, I'm going to be a boxer? Or did you have other aspirations as a kid? I mean, when did it become as a, real? As a, as a kid, um, it became real. Like, I've always said, um, I'm going to be champion of the world. And it, you say it, but you don't really mean it until you actually feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've, I've said it, said it, said it, said it, said it. And then probably by the age of 15, 16, I actually started to really mean it. Right. It actually started to really back myself to be champion of the world. And then from then on, that's when I really, like, the passion grew stronger, the love for boxing grew stronger. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I am going to be champion of the world. And, I, you know, I, I took that goal, and I, I didn't know when I was going to be champion. I knew I was going to be champion. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. And what is it that gave you, at what, like, was there a turning point where you were like, shit, I can do, like, I can actually do this? Was it like that you went away to an event that you got to a certain level with it? Was there certain people that influenced you at that time, coaches, mentors, that gave you that belief, or where did that come from? The belief was, it was instilled into me by my dad right at the beginning. Like, he said, when I was three years old, I was going to be champion of the world. Wow. And if, like, he, you know, how, how can you say that to a kid who's three years old? You don't even know how if he's going to be good or not, you just, you know, you just got introduced him to boxing and you think he's going to be champion of the world. And then from that belief in me from him, and then I gained my own belief in myself. And I was like 16 years old. I went to this tournament down in Rotorua and I, I saw this, you know, this massive guy that I was fighting. So I went around the corner and I go, coach, is that the, is that the guy I'm fighting? Goes, yeah, yeah. And then I go, oh, he's massive. You know, I'm 16 and this guy's like 21, I think, something like that. And so I was like, I was a bit worried, nervous. But then when I went in there, the coach said, trust, trust our training, trust your jab and take your business. And I went in there and, and smashed him. And then I thought to myself, oh, wait, this is fun. <laughs> I can do this for a living. And then I think that was sort of a turning point. And then I started, um, you know, started training hard. I started, my dad started asking people, you know, what should my son be doing with training? What should he be eating? To wake up in the morning, make me 10 eggs because he thought it was right. Tuna, you know, like everything. You just, he went out and, and sort of just, found the information that he could find at the time and, and it helped and it helped progress me as, as a fighter and started me off so you, you would you say your dad's had the greatest impact on your career in that case my dad's the, yeah the, the greatest impact on my career if it wasn't for him i wouldn't even be boxing mm. and if it wasn't for him you know he said to me back in the day son you're going to be champion of the world and if it wasn't for him i wouldn't have pushed it as hard as i did and i i believe that i became champion of the world to make him happy and proud. He's living his dreams through me. And then that's what I'm saying now. It's a focus is different. Now I feel like, okay, I've done this for him. I've done this for my coach. I've done this for New Zealand Samoa. Now I really want to do it for myself. And that's why I'll change it up now. I keep in shape. I eat mm. better. You know, I'm sleeping better. You know, in the past, you know, you like to have fun with your friends. You go out, do this, do that. But I feel like the focus has changed and it's a lot. Um, I have a, a clearer sort of vision that I, you know, that I visualize. And so it's real interesting that you say that, bro, because I can, that's probably quite a common thing though, is like people doing it not for themselves 100% of the time. A lot of the time it's for family members, it's for other, you know, coaches and mentors and people around you. Does it just feel different this time around? Like, do you just, you talked about staying in shape. That's something that you haven't really done over the course of your yeah. career. 
we talked about that off camera, you sort of blow out and, and then you've got to do all that work to get fit again. And it, I don't know, I'm only watching from social media, but it seems like it's been relatively effortless to kind of stay in shape this time around. You've seemed like you've had a different level of motivation. Does it just feel different because that drive is for you this time? It feels different because, I, I yeah, firstly, I think the, one of the factors is the drivers for me. You know, the drivers, I want to do it for myself, but then also maturity, also mm. having a family, you know, and then all of a sudden, everything's sort of just falling into place. You know, we have a, a home and I have a happy family and I have this goal of being champion of the world again. And now things are just starting to click a bit better. And mm. so, you know, I have been keeping a shape. And it, like, take example of the Joshua fight. You know, I had two elbow surgeries and then I just mucked around and ate pies and burgers and chips and fizzy drinks. And then I went into that camp 123 or 124 kgs and I cut down to 107. So instead of working on skills and techniques, you know, focusing on, on, on boxing, I was focusing on losing weight and getting in shape and looking lean and mean. So there's, but the focus is different now. I am already in shape and I've started off um, you know, I've started off at a really good, you know, uh, my base fitness is good. So it's a good starting point for us. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Talk to me about the Joshua fight, bro, because, um, you know, it, it was such a massive event for New Zealand sport. I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, for you and your family, just incredible. But And, and the team that have worked so hard to get you there. But for, from a perspective of New Zealand sport, man, like getting to having a world heavyweight champion and then you defended your title and then you're going up against the biggest name in the sport, you know, arguably um, a guy who's sort of become the face of it. What was that event like for you, bro? You seem calm and collected throughout the whole thing, but like it's interesting to hear you say that you were, you know, like not necessarily the most focused going into that. Um, what was the build up like and what was it like being on such a massive stage? Were you nervous? Um, yeah, nerves are good. And I, 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 looking back, I probably was a little bit nervous here and there. But I was uh, the the focus was more on just getting the job done. And so, like I said, I went into camp pretty fat. I lost a lot of weight, and then I wasn't able to punch properly until three weeks before the fight. You know, the elbows really? still. So I was I was punching in camp, and everything was painful. Then we were able to get it treated with stem cell treatment and and, um, um, and a few PRP and a few other things. So that really helped, and it's all legal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but um, leading into the fight, I didn't really appreciate the the size of the event or what I went through until after the fight. You know, when I sort of after the, the fight happened, and then I sort of sort of stood back and just looked at the whole thing. I was like, "Holy moly! Like this is a you know what a what a massive event." But I didn't really appreciate it or actually understand it until after the fight. Do you, you have coaches and that trying to get that? Was that just something that you think you had to go through? Obviously, you're going to come out of that better. Like you're saying now, you're almost like a re-energized um, re version of yourself now and you're more mature and stuff. But w was that a case of like people around you telling you to do something and you're just kind of not taking it on board? Or is that a case of just having to find your way in the sport and at that magnitude, like there's no sort of rule book for that? I mean, what do you put that down to? Yeah, there's no real, there's no real rule book. I don't, I'm not sure. I think it was just... It was just more focused on on what was in front of me, you know, and then not really, you know. Of course, you have to appreciate it when you're going through it. But I just, I just, didn't, I wasn't really aware. Like, you know, I was even walking out to the stadium. There's eighty thousand people. You know, I'm just, you know, I can see some people here and there. I can't see eighty thousand people, so I'm not really, you know, I'm not really thinking about eighty thousand people. And then when I saw the video after the fight, and then I saw all the crowd, I was like, you know, it was only only when I put on replay, I was like, oh. Like I just, you know, I was like, man, this is a, what, a, what an event. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, so what's, what's it like on the other side of the event then? Because um, obviously that was your first loss. 
uh, and you lost your belt and it was like, it, there was the, the probably watching that fight back. How much did it frustrate you? Cause there was times, I think it was like the sixth round or something. I was like, Joe's got him. Like he's actually heard him here. And, um, I think AJ, he was a bit rattled. Is it, what's it like on the other side when you watch something like that back and when you digest what's happened, how do you deal oh, with yeah. like the mental side of it? Cause that must be a, a pretty big come down. Yeah. Uh, I reckon, honestly, when I when I finished that fight and I thought to myself, okay, yeah, I did the best I could at the time and I gave it what I thought was everything, then I, I was pretty okay after the fight. But looking back now, I could have done more. I could have thrown more. I could have put on more pressure. And then you just start, you start sort of watching the fight and analyzing what you could have done, what you should have done. You know, and it's always, you're always kind of trying, uh, you know, because you're always your, your biggest sort of, what is the word for Your it? own biggest critic. You're always, yeah, you're your biggest critic. And uh, so when I watched the fight back, I'm just like, you could have done this, you should have done this, you could have closed the distance. And that's the difference. So for me, you know, being in that fight, I'm still learning. The difference with a fighter that could, you know, in the fight, even if the ref is involved, a great fighter could adjust and change and adapt to the situation and do better. Right. You know what I mean? So that's the, that's the fighter I'm trying to be, you know, mm-hmm. going into a fight. And if it's not working, adjust, adapt, do better. Nice, man. I mean, you've got to, obviously, in those failures is, is the biggest learnings. And I guess that's a, a pretty token gesture to throw around. But it's true, though, isn't it? Like, you, even the way that you're talking about looking at that, if you get that opportunity again next year, um, yeah. the way that you go into it, you've got so many lessons to fall on when you're in those moments. If I ever get the opportunity again, there's a lot of lessons that I've learned from the fight. But then also, one big thing is I want to take weight and more risks. Because, you know, the, 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 the bigger the risk, the better the reward. Mm. You know, so you got to take risk in fights. And I was maybe I was too conservative and too defensive. And I said, I said to myself uh, after that fight, man, you know what? From now on, I'm not going to get fat. And then before the Dylan White fight, I got fat again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't learn. So the, the lesson of getting fat and blowing up, well, I didn't learn that until after Dylan White. <laughs> Your motivations changed. I guess a couple of back-to-back losses. Your motivations naturally. You're either going to at that point go, I've had enough, or you're going to really yeah, dig in, aren't you? Or really, really change, dig in, and, and do better. Mm. What would you? What about the Ruiz fight when you win the title? You've you've spent, you know, you, like you just said, you've been started since you're like three, and your your father was talking to you about being a world champion. Uh, you get to fight in front of everyone that you care about the most. Like it, it's another massive event. What what was it like when you actually won? You're standing in the end there at the end. You get the belt wrapped around you, your father, everyone around you, and you're the world champion. What does that feel like? It's not, it's not something many of us get to experience, bro. <laughs> you know, so that, that, the interesting thing about that fight is that the, the fight was uh, was made. You know, the, the, the Ruiz Parker fight was made. And then I had to, I was in Vegas training for a week. And then I flew to Palm Springs to do the deal. So the fight was announced and I had to do the deal of what my purse would be. So I flew to Palm Springs, met Duke events. My parents flew up. And while we're doing a deal, we're all happy with it. And then I, um, then they, I sort of got asked, "Do you want to come to this concert called uh, Desert Desert Trip with the Roger Waters, the Who, Paul McCartney, you know, uh, the Rolling Stones?" And so I went to this three-day <laughs> concert. So, anyway, so I went to the concert. Then I flew back to Vegas and started training again for a week. Then I had an urgent trip that I had to come to New Zealand for three days. Then I flew back to Vegas and trained for four weeks, but. All the traveling messed up my whole camp. Like I, I got to Vegas and I couldn't even, I couldn't even like, get into the zone or get into rhythm in the four weeks that I had in Vegas. And before I left Vegas, I couldn't even spar four rounds. 
you know, I was I was getting chased around and beaten up by guys I should be, you know, laying hands on. So then I left. Uh, the, the fortunate thing about that camp was I was speaking to a psychologist. You know, uh, his name was Kerry Evans, and he was very, very um, useful in that camp and, and a few other camps as well. He's awesome. I've, I've got his book sitting on the shelf here somewhere. He's, oh, um, yeah. So he, he is awesome. So even though even though things weren't working out, he just, you know, one of the simplest things he said was just trust the process. You know, you've been here before. You've had many fights. Just trust it. And so I came to New Zealand two weeks before the fight, and I was like, you know, thinking about the camp. And I was like, I didn't even spar four rounds. How am I? And then slowly I just, you know, stuff that who cares about that stuff? Just trust the process. Things will be okay. So even in the fight, you know, I wasn't showing it, but I was hella tired. <laughs> you know? And then, but I was tired. And then after the fight, once I won the title, you know, I was just looking around at my whole team and just, you know, looking mostly at my dad, looking at the coach, you know, and just like, you know, this is, this is for us. Pretty special. What did you do that night? How did you celebrate? Uh, nothing. I went and, I went and brought McDonald's, right? And <laughs> I went and saw my parents. The worst thing at the pool minutes, I went and saw my parents. We did a prayer. Um, I slept it off. Um, and then the next day we had a bit of a function at one of the, one of the bars. And had a mean feed. We rewatched the fight, and you know everyone was just happy and celebrating, and awesome. people coming and taking photos. I was like, "Oh, this, this is a nice belt." <laughs> <laughs> well, just going back to what you said about um, Dr. Kerry Evans, because that stuff's interesting. Oh, the question I was going to ask you when you were talking about having bad camps and stuff, it sounds like you've you've dealt with those injuries and you've had. Um, less than ideal sort of build-ups in a few of your fights. How much, I was going to ask you how that plays on your mindset going in and how hard it is to block that stuff out going into a fight. Because if you're going in thinking about it all, surely that plays on you. What, did, what was it that um, you sort of learned from your workings with him and around the mental game? Because that's a massive part of combat sport. The massive part is the mental game. And I, I, I learned a lot from him. Like he, he, there's so many things that happen in camp, but he just simplified everything. Like, he just made it. It's like one of those things where he simplifies it and then, like, you think to yourself, oh, I could have thought of that. But, but you, you, like, after, after thinking about it, you go, I could have thought about that myself. But then you couldn't. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And it's just everything is, like, structure. Everything is little steps at a time. And everything is just, you know, it's mental and believing in yourself, putting in the work, pushing yourself to the next level. All these things that, you know, I, I, actually, I want to start working with him again. You know, because because everything was just it was a, it was a great sort of time for me to learn off someone like them. Yeah, it's just a, it's a it's such a crucial part of it. I actually interviewed a guy. Uh, I don't know if you know David Neathy, but he's done a bit of skills mental skills work with um, Kaya France and Brad Riddell yeah. and Israel Adesanya and that. And we talked about a lot of the mental skills for combat sport. Um, and it's the same thing. A lot of it just comes back to the inner dialogue and controlling your thoughts and. Um, yeah. Obviously, like you say, a lot of the stuff that's common sense isn't always common practice. So. No, no, and a lot of stuff is common sense isn't common practice. But you know, it's it, uh, but it's, I think it's very important. You know, you got to have everything in your game. You got to have the coaches for physical side. You got physios. You got the massage therapists, and then you got to have someone to work on your mind because the mind is probably one of the most. Yeah, it is the most important thing in in, in sport. Mm. What would you say, um, like boxing's a great teacher, bro. Like as I'm involved down here, I'm in Nelson at the moment down with Victory Boxing. Um, I've been around that for a few years uh, and it's amazing what boxing does in the community and for people that come through. Like it's not, it's more than just a, a sport where like it changes. I think it's a sport, it's, a, it's, it's more than just a sport, but it's the platform to mm. use. It's a vehicle. You know, get, yeah. 
what are some of the biggest lessons that you've taken from boxing that have helped you in life in general? Well, the biggest lesson in boxing would be hard work, respect, discipline. You know, nothing comes easy. And also being able to, you know, with fighters or, you know, boxing, the ability to be able to give back. You know, um, even the position that I'm in, and I'm still fighting now, but it's always nice when you're giving mm-hmm. than receiving. You know, and there's, there's always the fact of respecting everyone. You know, in the ring, you know what to do, take care of business. But outside of the ring, before and after the fight, respect. You know, you have to be disciplined in everything that you do, whether it's camp, sleep, training, eating, everything. You know, the list goes on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things, like I say, it's like, it's a great vehicle to, to influence people. And obviously, guys like Paul and that at Victory are doing yeah, a, a, a really good work. Yeah, um, but it's also interesting, even at, at your level, like a lot of those still key fundamentals are the things that transfer over into anything else. Like if you go into business or you go and do anything else post-boxing, it's those yeah. same principles that you've learned through boxing, like discipline and hard work, and that, that enables you to have success in any other area as well. Yeah, it's not only just for the boxing side of things, but also life and then also business. Mm. And hopefully one day after boxing, I can get involved in, in a business and, and, you know, look after my family and, and not just, you know, you don't want to be the fighter or the athlete that just say, oh, he was good at this time, then he's left with nothing. You know what I mean? And it's, it's a lot of, it happens to a lot of our athletes. It does, man. Yeah. I mean, what are your goals over the next sort of five years? One goal is obviously to get back to being the champion of the world. Um, and I, I would imagine unifying those belts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but do you, do you think about post-boxing or are you just focused on what you've got to do within the sport at the moment? I'm focused on what to do in the sport, whether it's, you know, champion of the world or unified champion of the world. And uh, I want to, I don't want to fight anywhere past 30, like 35 will be the max, but anywhere like 33 will be, you know, another five, six years and I'm done. You know, I just want to be able to, I want to be able to leave the sport and still know how to spell my name. <laughs> yeah, that's important. But, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, the boxing side of things, I want to achieve those goals, but outside of boxing, I want to, I want to help young talent from this side of the world and put them on the world stage whether it's whether it's sport whether it's music whether it's whatever you know academic we have so much talent here but we just we need we need a help we need, we need a pathway to put them on the world stage mm-hmm. i agree with you man that's cool that that's in your uh, in your thinking and obviously your relationship with david higgins he's sort of doing that like that's that's part of what he does with juco and uh, i think that guy he gets a he gets a bad rap, a bad rap considering what he's done for people man like um i don't know him personally but i have listened to a few interviews with him i interviewed um dave latelli and you know we talked a little bit about it but man that guy he's ta- he's got a bad rap in the public eye but he has done some phenomenal things not just for you but uh for a lot for of people lot of around people. him yeah, yeah. yeah and he does he's not one to to talk about what he's done and he's not one to to sort of share i've done this for this person this person that person he does get a better and, and you know he likes to have fun too and enjoy life <laughs> but but um he, he's uh the, you know I've, I've i've signed a contract with him for six years and then i you know told him to be part of my management team just because there's trust and because he's always looked after me and you know i wouldn't have a house or i wouldn't have you know the things that i have if it wasn't for the team that i surround myself with mm. you know there's him there's my parents there's my lawyers there's, you know there's a whole there's a whole lot Talk to me about um, the community aspect. You just mentioned like giving back and that being a big part of um, 
what you enjoy and what you want to do in the future, but it's also something that's become a big part of your brand as well over recent years. Like you're involved in quite a lot of charitable organizations. Is that something that you feel just as an obligation that comes with your sort of level of celebrity and, and the platform that you've got? Or is why do you why do you get so involved? I get involved because there's a lot that we could do to help. You know, we've got to use the platform or the, you know, we're in a privileged position. You know, we, we've, uh, we've made some good money. You know, people know us and we've got to help. We've got to use this opportunity to, to give back. And so I'm involved with Eat My Lunch. Um, and, and, and they're helping a lot of schools and kids with no lunches, you know, giving them lunches so they can actually eat and have a full stomach and learn better. Um, I'm involved with Middlemore Foundation. They do a great work in a community helping kids who don't have clothes, who are, who are cold and doing pajamas and food and this and that. Also, our Mental Health Foundation, very important one. Um, a lot of people have mental health but don't talk about it because they, they're shy or they either they, they don't want to be open about it. But it's for me, it's uh, trying to spread the word that it's courage, it's courageous, and it's you know to, to speak up. And it's not something they should be ashamed about. So, And there's a few other things that we do here and there, but... Those are the, the three main ones that I work with. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's cool. Do you, how on about on a level of fulfillment from all your boxing achievements and stuff, where does that kind of work sit for you? Is it because there's a lot of fulfillment when you're getting out there and doing things for other people? Obviously, you've had some big achievements. Does that, like, how does that balance up for you? Like going out and giving stuff or doing stuff? Yeah, just the feeling like when you're at, I, your, I, when you're at your level and you can give like that you know you when so when you give your time to a kid it means so much to that kid and like you know here you are on a we're on a saturday bro and it's five o'clock and you're giving me your time to have a chat in the middle of your camp you know like you are a giving guy but you must get a lot of fulfillment from doing that work i, I feel there's a, i don't know there's a feeling of 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 joy and happiness when you give like when, when someone gives me something i feel like i have to give it back so it's uh, but but whenever you give, and I'm sure you're the same. There's a there's a just just a, not a good feeling that you have in in yourself. Yeah, totally, man. I agree, hundred percent. Hey, what um, what are you like? What are something? What's something that is that people might not know about you that you're most proud of? So obviously, naturally, if I ask you that, you're probably going to say becoming champion of the world. But the major accolades aside, the things that people don't know about Joe, what would you say is something that you're most proud of? Um, most the the proudest moment of my life would be looking after my parents. That's that is the proudest, yeah, the proudest moment of my life is looking after my parents and my siblings and and close family members. Being able to, like I said, being able to give, give you know for everything that everyone has done for me, being able to give here and there, and making your lives a lot easier and simpler. That's my proudest, my proudest moment or achievement. That's awesome, man. That I bet, particularly you know, given your parents have played such a massive role in getting you to where you are, um, being able to oh, look yeah. after them it must be good. incredibly rewarding, bro. They took out heaps of loans. <laughs> Re- really, like, give give me a bit of an example of like what you went through to like on what your family and that because I think people just see the success. I guess that's what I'm trying yeah. to get at is people just see where you're at and they're like, oh yeah, Joe's world champion, blah blah blah. But like. Give us an, a little bit of context to how hard it is coming up and what you have to sacrifice yourself and what your family have sacrificed. Yeah, my, my parents worked, my dad worked too. I don't know, he's been at the steel mill for 30, over 30 years. He's still there now. You know, and um, my mom worked two or three different jobs. And so they were both trying to work and they bought a house early on and trying to pay the house, trying to look after the family. And they're trying to, and because New Zealand boxing amateur 
you know, amateur boxing doesn't have money. Mm. Uh, when I was chosen to represent New Zealand at, at, at different tournaments around the world, my parents would have to fund a lot of the, the, the trips, you know, and that's flights that are like, I don't know how many thousands there is, and they didn't have the funds to do it. So my dad had a visa card. He said, hey, son, here's my visa card. And he, t- you know, they took out loans to be able to pay for my trips around the world and my accommodation. Even one time my coach paid for a trip for me because, you know, my parents were paying all this and my coach was like, oh, I believe in you. Go to Azerbaijan and here's uh, three or $4,000 to pay for the trip. So there's a lot of people that invested and didn't even know that I was going to be champion. Didn't know I was going to be any good. They just thought, okay, he loves the sport. He's shown some promise. We want to back him 100%. And so from all of the, the loans and, you know, the time and taking me to the gym and early mornings and cooking this, cooking that, you know, that, that guy, that's why I'm saying the proudest achievement for me would be just give, they don't expect the back, but I want to give back and I want to say, you know what? Thank you guys. I love you guys. Have this. And even now I'm giving my parents, you know, some, some money. My dad still works. You know, he still works. He, you know, he still works hard and he's a great example. Him and my parents are great examples of, of hard workers. Nice, man. That's awesome. Hey, what, I know that we've got to wrap it up. Um, you've got pretty limited time at the moment. You're a busy man. So I want to be respectful of your time. Sort of last couple of questions for you, bro. If you were to give, based on your experience um, through boxing and life, three bits of advice to a younger Joe or to any young person out there with dreams and aspirations and, and goals or anyone who's listening to the podcast, what are sort of three things that you've learned over the course of your career that you think are like the most valuable bits of advice that you'd like to pass along? Most valuable bits of advice? Um, probably one of them would be never give up, you know. Never give up. I mean, times do get hard and sometimes you're not achieving what you want to achieve um, right now, but never give up on what you want to achieve in life. Um, and then the other one is back yourself. Back yourself 100%. Don't wait for other people to back you. Um, don't wait for your, your friends or your family. Or you know, If you believe in yourself and you back yourself 100%, you go for it. It doesn't even matter if anyone else believes in you as long as you believe in yourself. And the other one is, would be the power comes from within, you know. Whenever things do get hard and, and times get hard and you don't you don't believe in yourself, but the power from within will always you know will always come out and it will help you understand that you can back yourself and believe in yourself and you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. Nice, bro. That was excellent. Hey, Joe, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, bro. I'm a big fan, have been for ages. I'm a combat sport boxing fan, fanatic. Um, but it's pretty cool, I think, for New Zealanders to be able to uh, have watched your career from your first fights and then see you get to where you got to on the world stage. Um, I was spewing when the ref didn't let you fight AJ properly and then the headbutt with White. <laughs> <and> <laughs> uh, hey, but and, listen, we'll and, get another chance to fight them. And if we do... You know, if you ever want to fly to a fight or whatever, I'll, I'll get you a ticket. Since, oh, you're a big, since you're a big supporter <laughs> and you're a big fan of combat sports, I'll look after you for a ticket. Oh, mate, I appreciate it. Hey, no, I just, I, I just, I know that you're a real humble guy, obviously giving up your time on a Saturday night. Um, I know that you're busy in camp. You've got probably all sorts of commitments going on. Um, but I think that's a testament to the character of who you are outside of boxing as well, bro. And even the stuff that you talked about with giving and um, I don't know, man, I, I think you're a great role model in that aspect for a lot of young people coming through. And I just want to say thank you for your time. Uh, and I wish you all the best with Junior. And um, I really hope to see you fighting for that world title again sometime soon, bro. And you'll be there. And you'll be there. I'll be there, mate. I'll take you up on that. I'm I'm coming. Lock it in. Lock it in. We'll do a virtual shake. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, bro. Hey, now, have an awesome camp, man, and I'll let you get on with your evening. But thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. See you soon.
So there you have it, guys. That was the episode with former WBO heavyweight champion of the world, Joseph Parker. Please do me a favor and share that out on social media or leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening in on. Uh, just want to give a quick shout out to Joe and just acknowledge him for giving up his time. It was literally Saturday when we recorded that episode uh, and he had been in media and sponsorship engagements all day long and then came home Saturday evening and um, jumped on a call and was generous enough to give up his time to have that chat and give us a bit of a behind the scenes look into his career. Uh, you know, going from a small kid in South Auckland with a dream of becoming champion of the world to actually becoming champion of the world. Uh, and obviously he speaks so openly and honestly and um, I don't know, it's just cool to have that conversation. It's not every day you get to tap in and, and get a bit of a behind the scenes on one of New Zealand's biggest sporting stars. So just want to acknowledge Joe for that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Like I said, please share it out, share it around, leave a rating and review. Uh, and I look forward to joining you in the next episode. Thank you.